Hello, everybody. Welcome to Detox Podcast. I'm Denise Walker, your host. This is episode 42, and it's called Responsible. And it's going to be all about friendship. Um, Speaking of friends, I have actually teamed up with Sober Saturdays. Like, we are in it together now. Um, We're still in the startup phase here. We've been going for less than a year. Um, But I really feel like it's where I'm meant to be. Working with them and spreading the message that there are safe places, fun, safe, exciting places for people who don't drink to still enjoy a good time out on the town. That's the whole point, you know? Um, So on Tuesday, the day after this launches, so tomorrow, if you're listening to it on the first day, uh, May 14th, We are having a launch party. It's at the Health Collective uh, in Edmonton. It's uh, on the south side. Um, And it's a cool little space that they have for events. They they essentially just have a space for events. And I'm so sorry if you can hear the construction noise. Uh, They're replacing all the balconies on the south side of our building. So apologize. Apologies for that. I don't know if there's any way I can avoid that for the next little while. Um, I don't know. Recording in the middle of the night? I don't know. (laughs) So this launch party. So we are doing an ATP booster campaign, which is crowdfunding. So when you go to Sober Saturdays on any social media platform, uh, really easy on Instagram. It's right in the Sober Saturdays with a Z in the in the bio link. You can click that. It takes you right to the ATV booster. And the whole premise is that you pledge money in exchange for rewards of different tiers. And that money goes towards funding the company. And you get to be a part of that, which is awesome. And we're already doing really well. We're already like 20% of the way. I haven't checked it today, but we've only been at it for, I don't know, a week or so. And we still have a whole bunch of time left. Um, I think it goes to the middle of June. So we're doing really well. And I think it's a good time to get on this train. So check it out. Sober Saturday's ATB booster. Um, Other than that, on Saturday, there's a wicked event that I unfortunately can't go to. But if you guys are around, it's only ten dollars. It's at ninety nine ten on. Uh, do you know where the common is on one hundred nine Street? It's like their basement cool space that they have called ninety nine ten, and it's gonna be DJs. It's called Working Nine to Five, and it's DJs all day. It's Saturday from nine a.m. to five p.m. There's gonna be a cereal bar in the morning. That's the biggest thing that I'm sad about missing this. I'm actually doing meditation teacher training that weekend, so. Unfortunately, um, that comes first for me. Um, But yeah, and there's going to be board games and video games. It's just going to be like beanbag chairs. It's going to be a real chill vibe. So if you're looking for something fun, but uh, but low key as well on Saturday, that would be a really great option. Um, You can buy tickets to that on Eventbrite, working nine to five by Sober Saturdays. And for me, my own event on May 25th is coming up. I really hope to see you there. I'm so excited. Uh, it's a poetry workshop. 
It's at Lucid Yoga, which is the uh, yoga studio that I go to. Um, it's a beautiful space. You can buy tickets for that on Eventbrite. Write and Rise is the uh, is the title of that workshop. It's only two hours. Come on down and yeah, you can buy tickets for that on Eventbrite, or you can head to my website denisewalkerspeaks.com, and you can find links there. Um, also, sign up for my newsletter while you're there. You'll get all the details from me. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into this. Uh, Responsible, that's what this poem is called. It's all about friendship. <clears throat> Responsible. All around me, it seems, my heart's friends. <laughs> I'm just starting again, that's not how it goes. Okay, responsible. All around me, it seems, my friends' hearts are breaking. They're trapped in dark, disgusting places that they're convinced are the best that they deserve but they deserve the stars and the planets and the whole damn galaxy. In my own destructive spiral, I have found all the answers. They bite in the, into the tip of my tongue. You always say, they have to figure it out for themselves. It's not your place. But what if it is? What if I'm so broken that I'm the only one who can prove their worth? The blood in my mouth is proof enough. There's power in words unsaid. So what if all it takes is me saying the right thing or the wrong thing? What if it's my stubborn silence and following some fucked up social norm of they have to reach their breaking point that convinces them it's okay to lay down and die? So through recovery... I learned a million and one ways to help myself, to decondition my thought patterns, my values that had been distorted by addiction. And once I started to find clarity, I started to look around me and I saw that people who I loved and people who, I, who were close to me, who were, who were suffering in some way, I could see why. I could see my friends who were in relationships that weren't serving them. They were damaging and toxic. And the best thing for them would be to leave. I had friends who couldn't let go of an ex that had broken their heart and that they couldn't stop trying to tear them down within their social circles um, or trying to slander them or just build themselves up because they were in so much pain, you know? They're trying to feel normal again by, by bringing the other people down to their level. So many of these situations are like when I saw friends who were also struggling with substances I started to feel like it was my duty to save them because I had figured it out. I had found the answers. I had gone down that dark, dark spiraling path until I reached a point where I said, mm -mm, nope. And I reached out and I got some help. And I learned so many amazing things that rewired my brain in order to start looking for the good things around me instead of looking for the things that, that were going to destroy me. 
And so I thought that I needed to tell everybody that when people came to me for advice or for an ear, a shoulder to cry on, I felt like that was the perfect opportunity for me to express what I had learned, what had worked for me, and how they can use those tools to help themselves. And now that sounds fine and good. I mean, my heart was in the right place, right? But the person that I talk about in this poem, the one that says, you always said, they have to figure it out for themselves. It's not your place. That's my boyfriend talking because I would come home and I would be like, ah, so-and-so is doing this and they can't see that they're hurting themselves. And they asked me for help and I told them what to do and they haven't done it. I'm so frustrated. Ah, and he says, you have to let them figure it out for themselves. And I'm like, oh, but what, what if they don't? You know, what if they keep letting themselves go down and down and down until it's too late? Where's the breaking point there? So, <laughs> over time, I have become a way better friend, I feel. Instead of shoving my opinions, the way I did things, the way that I feel is right down their throats, I took my boyfriend's advice. I took the advice of internet memes and I took the advice of Holly Whitaker, my teacher. I took advice of, of so many things that told me, hey, you have a big heart. You just want to help people. But honestly, people don't want solutions. They want to be validated. They want to feel like they're not crazy in their emotions. They don't want to feel wrong. They just want to know that you're there for them so that they can just rant and talk and figure things out in a safe place. That's what holding space means. It means being there to make a safe container for other people to express themselves fully without exerting your own opinion and your own process on them. Does that make sense? And from day one, the first time I ever heard that expression, holding space, I wanted to be someone who did that. And that doesn't go well with someone who, who likes to be right. <laughs> so I had to really learn this, you know? I had to really take a step back every time somebody came to me with an emotional problem and I had to bite my tongue. And this doesn't mean that you're a bad person, you know, wanting to tell people how to do things because... For me, I've, I found things that really, truly worked for me. They completely 180'd my brain. I was on this trajectory of wholesome healing and fulfillment and joy and abundance. And I just wanted everybody around me to feel it too. You know, like I just wanted everybody to be happy. <clears throat> I wrote this poem specifically after I had done a tarot card reading with my friend and she's in a in a relationship and it was really hurting her that they weren't 
they didn't seem to be on the same page. You know, it really felt like she was putting in a lot of effort and he wasn't. And it wasn't, you know, obviously toxic, but it, but typically the toxic relationships are the most subtle. Don't you think? The ones that aren't blatantly obvious, because if it was blatantly obvious, it would, it would be easy to walk away. We're talking about the insidious, tricky relationships that that can be so good and so normal and seem completely right, but there's something that's not right, you know? So when, I just had deja vu, that was weird. Um, that's happened to me multiple times while doing this. I don't know what's going on with that, Re- recording these podcasts, it's weird. But yeah, so I wrote this poem right after talking uh, to her. She asked, like, essentially, like, what should I do in my relationship? She pulled the Eight of Swords, which means blind fear. And you're essentially trapped. Trapped by your own mind. You're living in this sort of, like, nightmare prison. And, and one of the strong energies is that is you have to leave. There's nothing good in the place that you are right now. You have to leave. And I took that so literally. And, you know, I didn't tell her what to do because at that point I had kind of um, opened up a little bit, but I could see how much pain she was in and I really wanted to help, but I really wanted to make it better. And it got to the point where do you say, like, do you say, I think you should leave? You need to leave. At what point does that rule come in where you need to, you actually need to be the forceful person in the friendship to be like, this is not good for you. You need to snap out of it. You have to make some changes. When does that come in? Does it come in? Do these people still have to learn their lessons? Do we always have to learn our lessons alone? Is that the only way that we truly, truly can reach the choice to change? Because when it came to addiction and people around me were telling me, Denise, like, I'm concerned about your drinking. Can you stop? Can you just have one? And literally I would act reactively every single time, right? I would, I would change the subject immediately. I would avoid the topic at all costs. I would get angry. It would incite so much rage inside of myself. And I think that's twofold, maybe even threefold. So either, you know, I was reacting because on a very chemical level, alcohol puts you into a fight or flight uh, situation your sympathetic nervous system is basically always on when you're in addiction. And so when somebody uh, comes to you and, and kind of brings up a, a, any topic about you having less, having less access to um, to the substance, it makes you scared. And so you lash out or you run away. So either I would get angry and lash out, or I would 
change the subject, and that was the running away. That was the avoidance. Fight or flight. And so there's that, but then there's also the part that's like, are they right? And is that why I'm getting angry? You know, like these people, I'm harming them by making them worry about me, by making them feel guilty and sad, and then that makes me worried and guilty and sad. And I don't want to be the person that's doing that to my loved ones. But then the third one, the third fold of that is the fact that humans do not like to be told what to do. You know, like we like to be independent. We like to make our own decisions. And when other people exert their opinion and power over us to make things be their way, it feels bad. We don't like to be pushed around. So what if I did that to my friend? What if I was like, you need to leave? This isn't good. You need to leave. Would she Would she agree? Or would she react poorly and dive deeper into the thing that was hurting her, as I did? Would she stop talking to me? Would she start avoiding me because she didn't want to hear the truth from me, as I did? But these are the things that made me realize that there was a problem, you know? And in retrospect, I can see, holy shit, I was threatened by every conversation I ever had when people were worried about me because I was scared that they were right and that I had to change and that I would have to remove something that my body was addicted to and that makes your body freak out. And that meant that I had chosen wrong that perhaps I wasn't the best person to be making decisions for myself. And that's a really um, troubling and upsetting thing to realize. And even now, I had a conversation last night with my boyfriend, it wasn't really a conversation because I again avoided the topic and I threw it back at him. You know, some, a, a behavior I was engaging in and uh, he was worried that I was engaging with it too much. And I said, well, you're engaging with it the same level as me. He's like, yeah, but you're in recovery. And I feel very split about that. I feel, again, that three-fold thing, like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, my God, you might be right. <laughs> and, ah, uh, <laughs> I'm making people worried about me again. You know? So I've just got to do some thinking on that specific thing. Um... But here, listen, the takeaway from this is that people can, can, people can figure out shit on their own. And my best practice is to just hold space. To sit and listen and hold them. 
physically or emotionally and ask questions. If you, if you feel you need to talk, ask open-ended questions for them to then explore. Not And don't phrase things like, don't you think, because that's not open-ended, that's saying, I want you to agree with me. You know, I think it, and like, don't you think it too? That's, that ex that's exerting your opinion again. But my fear in this poem really comes at the end. Like, what if my silence leads them to a point of no return? Because there is this concept of, I'm sure you're aware of it, I'm sure you're familiar. Hitting rock bottom. Well, guess what? In a lot of instances, rock bottom is literal death when somebody overdoses and dies. So when, so when is it important to actually step in, to actually say something before things get too bad. I don't know. I actually don't know. And that scares me because I honestly just want to always be the best friend that I possibly can be. It's terrifying to be in a situation where you're not sure what's going to happen to a person if you don't do the right thing. You know, I, at work, I work at Ambulance Dispatch, and I'm part of the Critical Incident Stress Management Peer Support Team. It's a mouthful. Uh, we call it SISM for short. Uh, what we do is if there is a person who takes a really traumatic um, or emotional call at work, a really bad 911 call, and they're having an emotional response to it, I am on the team. So I would do a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this person if they wanted to about um, about what went on. And I would be the person who diffuses the situation by doing these things. It's the same principles as friendship. You make them feel heard. You let them talk. You don't exert your opinion. You, you ask open-ended questions. Except they are taught. We are taught about suicide because suicidal ideation can slip into these moments, right? When we feel so abnormal in our, in our lives, in our skin, that we want anything to get us out of there. And sometimes suicide becomes a thought that happens. And that's okay. It's very scary. But it doesn't mean that you're crazy. You're having normal reactions to abnormal events. So they ask us, or they tell us in our training to say to people who have expressed suicidal ideation, or maybe they haven't said it, first of all, you can say straight up, are you feeling suicidal? Are you going to use tonight? Are you going to drink? What are your plans? 
And if this feels outside of your realm of comfort, then it's time to get some other help in there. Help them make an appointment with a mental health professional. Take them to the hospital. Something, you know? When it is outside of your realm of expertise, which uh, as friends, we're not experts, right? We're just emotional um, support, right? We are not trained. And, and that's okay. Knowing your limits is extremely important. They tell us in our training, too, that an important thing that we could ask is, do you actually want to kill yourself? Do you want to die? Or do you want things to change? And then that can take you down either road, right? But then you can at least address what the, the nature is, right? You can either, okay, now it's time to get some help. Or, okay, it's time to get some help. But the paths are a little different. I'm working on this. I'm working on being an open space for people. I have destroyed relationships by being too forceful. And I want so badly for people to leave their presence with me feeling better than they did when they came to me. I want people to feel heard and feel better. I don't want people leaving saying, I went to my friend and I was in crisis and all they did was talk about themselves. That's not what I want. He was responsible. All around me, it seems, my friends' hearts are breaking. They're trapped in dark, disgusting places that they're convinced are the best that they deserve, but they deserve the stars and the planets and the whole damn galaxy. In my own destructive spiral, I have found all the answers. They bite into the tip of my tongue. You always say, they have to figure it out for themselves. It's not your place. But what if it is? What if I'm so broken that I'm the only one who can prove their worth? The blood in my mouth is proof enough. There's power in words unsaid. So what if all it takes is me saying the right thing or the wrong thing? What if it's my stubborn silence in following some fucked up social norm of they have to reach their breaking point that convinces them that it's okay to lay down and die? Have a great week. See you next time.